Hello everyone and welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators, home of NARC Troopers website where you can visit and find a whole library of articles, podcasts, YouTube videos, uh, all other tidbits of information and just everything you need to help you on your recovery journey to help support you, to educate you, and to share with others, to help educate them about what's happening. Um, I want to welcome you to Season 9. This is Episode 1 of Season 9. Snaps to everybody. Yay! Because this is almost 250 podcast episodes. If you're feeling a little lost, like some of these are beyond your level of of comprehension of where you are right now on learning all this stuff i strongly suggest that you go to my podcast channel and just start at the beginning 250 of them each each of them ranging from 30 to 40 minutes roughly some a little shorter but you can do the math to kind of try to figure out if you did one a day you would have um months and months of of listening that's 30 episodes a month. There's almost 250 of them. 360 something days in a year. Yeah, you better get busy and start listening. You know, that's not unrealistic to say that you should start at the beginning and listen to all of my podcasts because I have evolved in the last four and a half years since I started this enterprise, since I began this mission to educate, to inform, to get the truth out there to support people and let them know that what's happening to them is, is, is um, easily explainable, perhaps not easily explainable, but that it's textbook post-narcissistic abuse um, suffering and that there is a way out of all of that. So keep that in mind, troopers, that all of those resources are there and they start out simple. I have evolved over the last four and a half years. My understanding of what had happened in my 15-year marriage uh, was a slow progression. Even though I had a master's degree with a focus on guidance and counseling, I did not fully have any kind of depth of understanding about narcissistic abuse. I had to specifically um, dive into this niche area and learn everything that I could. And special kudos to Dr. Sam Vaknin. It doesn't matter whether you like him as an individual or not, or agree with um you know, who he is as a human being, but what does matter is he is an authority. He's an expert. All of his videos are um, rooted in research, science, and a database of thousands of narcissists that he has studied since the 90s, since the mid-90s. I think if there were any experts on this, it's got to be him. And everyone else came after. Everyone else is piggybacking on his work myself included, and I just want to say I listen to him every single day. And he has a larger, much larger library of material than I do. Probably thousands of lectures that are um, very academic, uh, yet very um, much digestible. Uh, and understandable. So I uh, highly recommend him. You know, if you did one of my podcasts starting at the beginning, 
and one of his every day, I promise you, you're going to really understand what has happened to you, how to make sure it never happens again, uh, what that person was, why they're that way, uh, why they can't change, just the whole thing. It's going to be um, transformational. I tell you, it's empowering to have knowledge and understanding about all of this. It, for me, it saved my life. I don't think I would be here today if it were not for Dr. Vaknin, if it were not for my extensive research and my compulsion to get to the root of all of this and try to understand it. And then now my new mission to come out and tell everybody what this is and what it is not and to help everyone understand the truth of it. So sorry about that. That was kind of a long bunch of, um, explanation but it was something that needed to be said okay at the five minute mark here we go can you be healthy in an increasingly sick world look around it's getting scary isn't it it's getting pretty scary guys you can hold on to sanity can you can you hold on to sanity when everything else is going crazy all the way around you um it's a good question it's one that we should ponder Life is tough, but I think you are tougher. And, and I'm proud of you for walking this road, for doing what's right. These are all things that someone should be saying to you. Okay, so I'm saying them to you. I wish I could say them directly to you so I could see you and hear you and validate you, but just, just take these. I'm proud of you for walking this road and for doing what's right. You, you are required to make big changes and that's a really big deal. And I know things are hard right now, but I know that we will get to the other side. We have to learn how to navigate both the hills and the valleys. This is definitely a valley, but just keep going, keep going. So these words of encouragement can mean a lot to people who are losing hope and may, and just sort of sinking into despair. People seem angry, fearful, anxious, beaten, defiant, confused, frustrated, and worse everywhere you look. And they haven't even been in relationships with people with narcissistic personality disorder. And they're still feeling that way. Is it toxic positivity to seek a silver lining? or to be optimistic about a world that seems to be unraveling at a pretty rapid pace. I think it's important to remain hopeful and faithful in times of great distress. Some would say that hope is kind of a cruel thing to try to hold on to when there's no guarantee that things are going to turn out the way you, you want them to. But I, I, I think we have to have hope that there are things to look forward to, that there are things to enjoy, that there are ways to help and leave the world a better place than how we found it. And all of those kinds of things create hope and create um, a little spark within us that fuels us and keeps us going when we feel pretty beaten up, like we just can't go on. And faith, I also believe has a role in your ability to recover from this. Um, 
this experience that you've had with the mentally ill, disordered narcissist or psychopath. I do believe that faith and um, in a higher power and hope that that there are things to look forward to that are in front of you, that your whole life is not just a train wreck behind you and a messy mess right now, but that there are good times ahead. I think that that's important. I think we need to have have that um, perspective and that point of view. So my niche area of expertise is narcissistic personality disorder and recovery from relationships with people who, who suffer from it. I've gone through trauma intervention uh, training and I have, you know, coaching certifications now that enable me to understand this in ways that I did not before. And I can say with some degree of certitude that the mental health of society in general is not doing so well right now. According to a study by John Hopkins, it says mental health disorders account for several of the top causes of disability in the United States, and they include major depression, manic depression, schizophrenia, and obsessive compulsive disorder. An estimated 26% of Americans ages 18 and older, that's about one out of every four adults, suffers from a diagnosable mental health disorder in a given year. That's from John Hopkins, and I think that's a reputable source I'm quoting here. In fact, disordered cluster B narcissists, sociopaths, and psychopaths, which, um, you know, actually antisocial personality disorder is sociopathy. And when it goes really far, uh, you know, it, it um, well, we won't get into that. But so those are the cluster B that I'm focused on, not histrionics and borderlines, which in my opinion, even though they share some common traits and, and uh, all of that, I, I don't think they should be classified together like that because some are treatable and some are not. A borderline can change, a histrionic can change, but a narcissist or a psychopath or a person with antisocial disorder probably cannot. Um, and so I think that that's a pretty big distinction. I think there's a movement towards grouping um, all kinds of personality disorders together um, and calling it just a trauma response uh, and treating it as such, as, as a trauma response. Um, and you just hear that word so much, it's a little bit aggravating to hear people using it so recklessly. It, it feels like it diminishes it or minimizes it when everybody says they have trauma. Clearly, some people have trauma that is off the freaking charts unbelievable, how can you even still be alive kind of trauma. And other people say they have trauma when really what it was is mom liked my sister more than she liked me. Um, yeah, the, it's, um, I, I, I don't want to diss the people who have had a pretty neurotypical experience growing up and are butthurt about certain things and they want to call it trauma, but let's use the word carefully to really describe those kinds of complex trauma or acute trauma 
that end up with long-term disability unless treated and aggressively um, having intervention. Okay, uh, let's move on. This is going to be a little bit of longer one, so you might want to listen to this uh, maybe in two chunks if you're used to the regular 25-minute length uh, podcast. This one's going to go a little bit longer because there's a lot to cover. I wanted to hit the ground running. Season 9. Woo! Season 9. And um, I want to give you lots of information. So let's keep going. Um, it seems like these cluster B disordered people, the narcissists, sociopaths, and psychopaths, are pretty much um, multiplying exponentially. And um, there's just more of them. The handbook of antagonism published in 2019 says cluster B personality disorders, the ones I just mentioned, narcissism, which is NPD, sociopathy, which is ASPD, antisocial personality disorder, and psychopathy are characterized by a pervasive violation of the rights of other people and it impacts an estimated 4% or more of the population and about 25% of the incarcerated population. 30% of domestic abusers suffer from this. 30% of domestic abusers fall into a cluster B category. That's a lot. One out of every three. And the numbers are increasing. Yep, we live in a world where uh, the qualities of the narcissist and the antisocial and even the psychopath are, are almost glorified, um, which is very, it should be very disturbing to you, and it's, and it's scary. Um, if you take inventory and you see narcissists here and narcissists there and narcissists everywhere, you know, maybe you're not crazy. Maybe you're not paranoid. Maybe they really are all around us. Yet, the world tries to navigate without any direction because they, they seem lost, right? They have lost their moral compass is what they've lost. And it's increasingly apparent that we are drifting on perilous waters, stormy waters. Pods of killer whales are chasing the boats. Y'all heard about that lately? All the killer whales chasing and sinking boats. Um, smart. They are smart. Um, pirates control these waters that we're adrift in. We know who the pirates are. Bombs explode in every direction. Yep. And the people in the boat with you are ready to toss you to the sharks to heighten, to lighten the load. Or actually, you know, they may decide just to eat you and to cannibalize you if it comes to that. So they are not your friends, the people in the boat with you. And even if they are your friends, they're not going to hesitate to do something bad to you if it's going to save their own hide. You know, they're not searching for rescue. They are searching for condiments or sprinkles to put on your tasty carcass. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's an image. Think about that. Um, there's, I, you know, that's, is that satire? What I'm joking around a little bit about something that is just so tragically, ridiculously, uh, just horrific, but true. As they say here in California, hella scary if you ask me. Hella scary. There are several anchors 
that once tethered us to the right path. But those islands of stability are disappearing. That's what Dr. Vaknin calls them, islands of stability. Um, you know, we are left alone in the universe to determine our course, and the consequences are catastrophic, to say the least. It, it's like we're not doing so well, well, making good choices. You know, am I the crazy one for hoping for, for a hero? Not a hero in the Marvel universe, since multi-universe sense of the word, but someone who possesses like all the virtuous and honorable traits that we seem to have misplaced. We don't even know what that is um, anymore. When was the last time we had a leader of the free world that was a moral and decent human being? Really? Hmm. Let's see. In the pockets of corporations and lobbyists and donors for career advancement and good old greed and gluttony, misanthropic womanizing, cheating, whoremongering, vulgarity, perversion, and adultery, criminal overreach, ruthless misappropriation of fiduciary obligations to provide every citizen with basic human dignity like shelter, you know, housing, food, and health care. Oh, and let me qualify that. Healthy food. The cheap crap is cheap. Everybody can get that. But the healthy stuff, most people can't afford that. And, uh, and of course, health care is coming apart. It's, it's unraveling. It's not doing very well uh, these days. It's not serving us in the ways that we would like to be served, to be kept alive and to, keep, to be healthy. And the list goes on. You know, these are our role models, the people like this, uh, not to mention that our two choices in the next election are like octogenarians. Is that the word for people that, uh, you know, like most of the population in nursing homes, and yet they're going to lead us through four years um, of clear cognitive thinking with no brain fog or dementia, and their health is going to hold together. My gosh, these people are freaking old. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, don't get me started on that. But back to my point. What about family? Family, you know, regular Jane and average Joe, where are they? Where are they? they? They no longer have the tools to ground us and provide safety and direction in the storm. And I'm talking about the, the things that once tethered us to sanity, to virtue, to doing the right thing and having everything work the way that it needs to work. Gone, you know, family. There is no nuclear family. Family values have not only been corrupted, they have been disposed of entirely. Who among us seeks to meet the one and the only love of their life to raise a family with and devote the rest of their life to and to love them and to, to commit to having sex with that one person for the rest of their days till death do they part? Who does that these days? It seems like the majority of marriageable folks these days are too busy taking selfies and living their best life to worry about things like that. They don't want to commit to things like that. It might be a buzzkill. It might 
put a crimp in their style. It might cause them to miss out on some pleasurable uh, something that they feel like they can't live without. I mean, come on, people. Uh, it would be quite of a downer to have a house full of screaming, smelly children when you could just be out traveling and partying and treating yourself to all kinds of little wicked indulgences. Okay, so for just forget about a relationship that is can survive the test of time. I don't see that happening. I don't see that being valued anymore, anywhere, by anybody. Um, relationships, they have to be fun and fast. Revolving doors of new, fresh friskiness. If it doesn't serve you, then just toss it into the dumpster and find something that will. And even better, just mix it up and do a thruple or a poly arrangement, you know, and call yourself eth ethically non-monogamous, even though the term itself is more akin to an oxymoron. How can you be ethical and non-monogamous? How do those go? That's like jumbo shrimp. Okay. <laughs> um, I believe this is true. Um, so this nuclear family is gone. It, you know, um, it's the, you know, after this new extreme woke faction of people and with their whole sex positive uh, preaching, you know, the, these folks just nuked it. They nuked the nuclear family. <laughs> That's a fun play on words, right? They nuked the nuclear family. Sex positivity. Mm -mm. No. Uh, let's think about that. It, it's an attitude towards sexuality that regards all consensual sexual activities as fundamentally healthy and pleasurable, and it encourages sexual pleasure and experimentation, not commitment to one life partner till death do you part, but you better just get out there and, and get jiggy with it, you know, and um, experiment and do wild and crazy things and uh, take drugs to, to make it even wilder and crazier. And um, yeah, that's kind of what uh, we prioritize today, isn't it? Try floating by some of this to the betrayed spouses of adulterous mates who were just pleasing themselves and pleasuring themselves and experimenting with consensually um, eager playmates, right? Some people these days don't care if you're married. What does that do, you know? That doesn't mean anything. That's temporary, too. So, um, you know, they both agreed, let's cheat because we really, really want to. And it will feel really, really good. And so it would be really, really exciting. And we deserve it. So no worries. Let's, let's get it on. Regardless of, you know, this partner poaching and serial infidelity, the betrayed spouse is often persuaded to open up the marriage in order to save it. I guess that this consent involved in these compromises look like everyone's diving in with complete buy-in when studies show that in, a, in, in a quite a few cases, I don't have a number for you, but I'm going to say quite a few, there's one partner that's not quite as into it as the other, but who is going along with it because they want to 
they don't want to lose their spouse or their boyfriend, girlfriend, or significant other, or whatever. They don't want to lose that partner, so they better just shut up, shut up and put up <laughs> and put out uh, because that's what their partner wants. And, oh, my gosh, talk about boundaries. Talk about um, abandoning your ethics and your morals. You know, that's just insane. So in my experience, people that I've known, you know, with this were compelled by their stir crazy husbands that were ready to cheat. And, um, and, and, um, in every one of these cases, they just went along, uh, to save a stagnant marriage. And the reality of these compromises tends to lean more heavily on one partner in lieu of a simultaneous urge to merge with new friends. Um, and they've done studies around this, like, and people say, oh, it's made our relationship so much stronger to go out and have extramarital affairs. And it's put some spice back into our relationship. And it's done this and it's done that. And so we just love it. And so we're going to keep having these, inviting these other people into our beds. Come on, folks. <laughs> um, you know, I have no words for that. Uh, it's, it's disgusting. It's repulsive. It's nasty. It's vulgar. And this is not just a moral judgment. This is a fact. They have researched and, and, and uh, studied people and the ones who say that, why they do it and what kind of relationships they have that last or don't last. And the effect that that has on families and children and all of that kind of stuff. It ain't good. Don't trick yourself into thinking that it is. Um, you know, um, I, I just want to say I support diversity and equity 110%. And I have fought for justice and tolerance my entire life. I have championed each person's right to be treated with compassion, dignity, fairness, and equality. I am that person. I love our rich and delicious multicultural stew. While I myself was discriminated against and disenfranchised for being biracial, I'm biracial, by being female, and by being disabled. I have star guards, and I am, um, you know, my vision is, I have low vision. It's greatly impaired. So I grieve over the way that all humans are subjugated, minimized, disregarded, <clears throat> vilified, exploited, and disposed of. There is no, um, uh, you know, there is no true hive mind collective endeavor to transcend the misery together. Why is this? We are slaves to the systems that are broken and blind sheeple. Talk about who's blind. <laughs> I may be literally physically uh, blind, but I'm telling you, there are millions of blind sheeple who shuffle along with the next best thing until the better thing comes along tomorrow. And they're just, uh, superficial, scattered, shallow disappointments, um, is what I think. Um, this new wave of thinking is something else entirely posing under the same umbrella, but not sharing the mic. Um, all of the sacred institutions of marriage and family have suffered because of all of these tenets. 
Every day, millions are left behind, invisible, forgotten, insignificant, in a crumbling landscape of vitriol, divisiveness, and decay. Add to that all of the racial um, conflagration that's happening in this country against Jewish people, anti-Semitism, against African Americans, against Latinos, against Asians. You know, you, you know, I, I live in the Bay Area, and I hear about little elderly Asian people getting jumped and beaten up or murdered when they are walking out to empty their trash. What is going on? Why do we live in a world like that? Well, maybe we're too busy trying to have a polyamorous, <laughs> um, you know, orgy or something. Okay, so what about other institutions like the church? That used to be an anchor, um, a foundation, something that tethered us to, um, um, to our values and our morals and the things that kept us on the right track. What about the church? Where is that in all of this? Most people uh, of the people who still attend church regularly have one foot in the grave, and they seem to be getting ready to meet Jesus at any moment. You know, it's just a bunch of white-haired people that are you know it's like a it's like it's snowed you look out over the congregation and that's all that's there why is that it wasn't that way uh you know 15 20 years ago 30 years ago it was mixed there were families there were teenagers there were you know as a mixed group but these days not so much it was once a centerpiece of the community a place of solace and sanity a sanctuary away from the maddening crowd. The church has lost its luster and fails to provide modern people with what they seek. They don't like the rules, so they sure as hell aren't going to go and get up on a Sunday morning to hear somebody tell them how to follow those same rules that they refuse to follow. They don't want a lecture on how to be moral or how to be ethical right? They don't want to hear how to be a decent person, a substantive person. They are like little kids with the, you can't tell me what to do mentality. They just don't care if it's right or if it's wrong. That Those words don't mean anything to them anymore. Um, in a world filled with so much senseless carnage and suffering, some believe the God that they once tolerated and tried so hard to appease simply abandoned us all and that we are all on our own, alone in the universe. And then I think that, you know, some of the others have found new ideas that intrigue them and they're preparing for ascension to the fifth dimension or they have embraced the divine feminine or some other metaphysical, uh, energetic something. Um, you know, the bottom line is that we are not unified by any common beliefs under the roof of a common gathering place, whether it's family or church or whatever, right? Because um, those were the places where we gained strength from the fellowship and the communion. And, and there's nothing that has yet replaced those community anchors. And so in situations like that, the ground is fertile for you know what, you do know what, right? I'm going to say next, it's fertile for narcissism. And we know it's on a spectrum. You could have narcissism light 
Everybody has some narcissism. I have it. You have it. Everybody has good, healthy dose of narcissistic traits. Yep. They're almost necessary. But you know, on the far other end of it, it's pathological. It's malignant. It becomes a sickness, a disease. It becomes a incapacitating, life-altering um, uh, sickness, is, uh, for lack of better words. Um, so other systems and institutions that historically provided grounding and hope and a vision for the future are also failing. Our education system, as we have known it and trusted it, trusted it in the past. It's gasping and choking for its last breath uh, as new agendas sweep the classrooms and replace critical thinking, rigor, character building, citizenship, independent analysis, intellectual curiosity, codes of conduct, service, mindfulness, and meritocracy. With And it's replacing all of that with this canned, um, packaged, uh, initiative that's either too extreme right, like banning books and tampering with the curriculum, or too extreme left, like co-opting the parents' exclusive right to decide what they want to say to their child about things like gender identification and sex education and all of that. That's not the school's job. It's the parent's job. It's the parent's job. So when you have these extreme far right and extreme far left, they're killing us. They're killing us everywhere throughout the country in every way possible. Do we not see that extremism is, uh, is, is like a plague upon us? What do we do with that? Um, okay. So, um, you know, one side just wants to give them a gun. And, um, the other side wants to just give them a condom. And I don't think either one are appropriate. Um, either strictly shield them from real life choices or turn them loose to be free and do whatever floats their boat and tickles their fancy with their freak flags flying. You know, those are the choices. Those are the only choices. We got to do one or the other of these things. Between the shootings and the wildly out-of-control power grab for ideological gains, students don't trust the system and neither do a lot of their parents anymore. It is another failing system that is no longer a safe haven and anchor for the community. So without all of these systems and institutions that once saved us, family, church, schools, all of that, how do we survive? The challenges of war, climate, famine, pathogens, and pandemics. How do we survive economic collapse, unprecedented violence, and the acute hunger of the soul for anything to silence its prescient warnings? It's like what happens when all the anchor stores at the mall go out of business 
without the Sears and the J.C. Penney's and the Macy's and the Nordstrom's and all of the, those big flagship stores, the mall soon becomes, you know, it's just brought to its knees. And it either closes or transforms into a lot of satellite campuses, tiny churches, pickleball courts. I heard that malls are turning into pickleball courts. I don't get the whole pickleball thing. Come on. Talk about fads and trends here today and gone tomorrow. People are still not going to be playing pickleball 10 years from now. That's my prediction. I could be wrong, of course. But, um, yeah, I do kind of have a thing. Uh, I refuse to do it. I refuse Just because it's so freaking trendy. And I'm not a trendy person to go out and get the trendy haircut and get the trendy clothes and do the trendy things and the trendy fads. No. To hell with pickleball. Um, anyway, if you enjoy it and get exercise from it and, and meet people, then that's great. It's not, uh, for this girl. So even our public libraries, uh, no longer exist as they once did. I went to the library here. I just moved from Palo Alto to, um, closer like, um, in Daly city, um, almost in San Francisco, I went to the library and asked for a library card. It's one of the first things that I did, um, not just because I'm some old curmudgeonly English teacher, but because libraries are important um, and they no longer exist as they once did. They're sort of like uh, places for homeless people to hang out or to have um, weird meetings, you know, and things like that. Um, so, our whole social design and culture is changing. We haven't even talked about the impact of AI on all of this and the, in the, the coming technology and changes that that is going to bring. You know, I have loved a man with narcissistic personality disorder for the better part of the last 20 years. And I can tell you something that I have learned. I have learned that they're superficial, uh, follow, um, that, that, okay, what have I learned? How do I say this? They are superficial, hollow, and empty. And um, all of that emptiness, vacancy has to be medicated and, and fed like the ravenous beast that it is, and that nothing is ever going to be enough. Uh, nothing is ever going to be enough. And uh, I have learned that nothing will calm the chaos within them. They will never admit any of it. They're always going to blame other people, play the victim, and present themselves to the world as its savior. Yeah, that's what they do. And you know what? Many people are going to buy it. Hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> I did. I was foolish. I got played. I believed it. And, you know, I think part of me didn't. Uh, I had all those little warnings go off, all the red flags. I knew it wasn't, I was like totally blind. No pun intended about my blindness. But, um, yeah, I, of course, I knew something was not right. It was that whole uncanny valley is what they call it, the uncanny, uncanny valley effect where you know with the narcissist that something is, is creepy, uh, not normal, not human about these people. It's just weird. You feel it, but, you know, what do you do? Um, and so, 
yeah, we're we're suckers for it. We we it's like we want to believe it. I think like it's just easy, so easy to believe it. And I think it's a symptom of the times, a manifestation of the chronic disease that has infected our our culture, and um, and we revere and hold this narcissist in high esteem, and we applaud them heartily like yay for being ruthless and merciless master of their domain and captains of industry and champions of finance and rulers of government we're like yeah you go get it yeah that's the way to defeat defeat everybody and, and climb to the top just step on every poor sucker you can on the way up it doesn't matter they're collateral damage all that matters is winning isn't that kind of what the the belief system is these days that's that's the message that that we're putting out there that we value is just you know the, these weak poor suckers with bleeding hearts are useless that's what we tell tell ourselves and others we must learn to to take the other guy out before he does it to us that's kind of criminal mentality gang banger mental mentality you know shoot them before they shoot you because they're going to, it's just a matter of time, so take them out so that you'll be safer. Do whatever unethical thing that you need to do that's out of boundaries or whatever that you need to do because the means justify the ends. Isn't that the bottom line of what we're preaching these days? Isn't that the best advice that's coming out? And I'm being sarcastic. It is not the best advice, obviously. It is toxic horrible advice but I think that it's popular these days have you ever sat in your car at a light and felt like you were moving backwards because the other cars had started to move forward do you know what I'm talking about it's like oh my gosh do I have my foot on the brake what's happening here I think that is what's happening to all of us right now we think we're moving and like we're not we're stuck we're not moving at all. We're not going anywhere. You just think you're moving. Um, so <laughs> I think we're stuck with an ideology that is going to kill us and destroy everything that should matter. Am I sounding a little too preachy and judgmental? Oh, woe is me. And heaven forbid that I accidentally step on a politically self-righteous toe or two as I try to warn you. My intention is not to offend, but rather to awaken. And it's a different kind of um, being awakened. Older women like me tend to speak truth without fear. I mean, what do we have to lose, right? When you're my age, what do you have to lose? Most of my life's in the rear view mirror. What are they going to do to me? Especially those of us who have come out of a long relationship with a mentally sick and abusive partner. Emotionally abusive, mostly. They don't have to hit you and give you bruises and cuts to be abusive there's ambient abuse and sometimes that silent invisible abuse that emotional abuse is 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 just it's you know you get over a bruise or a cut a little bit faster I think you know all of it's bad all of it is inexcusable but uh, do not discount or minimize or diminish the the uh, the traumatic power of of the ambient abuse um, so what do I want to tell you 
do I have a solution for any of this? Um, nope, <laughs> I don't, but I have ideas. And so um, I think we have to stop demanding and start deserving. Let's make that your bumper sticker mantra for the week. We have to stop demanding and start deserving. Yeah, I'm done with all the entitlement, you know. I think we have to start serving others and stop serving ourselves. Oh, how about that? Okay, so here I'm going to give you some things. <laughs> Jot this down. Take notes, students. Here we go. I, I think we have to start serving others and stop serving ourselves. I think we need to talk less and do more. I think we must come together and stop moving apart and being polarized and divisive and having, you know, um, so much violence and hatred among ourselves when we need to be helping each other. I think we're all in this together, all of us, and that um, everybody, and there shouldn't be an us and a them. There should only be a we. That's what I think. I think it's time to shut up and grow up. We've been playing too hard for too long and neglecting our necessary chores, boys and girls and others. We smirk arrogantly at each other's dirty faces and tussled hair. Some of us are injured, bleeding, but we just keep playing, playing hard, no matter who gets hurt and or who falls down. We're sweaty, stubborn, stinky, and nobody can tell us a damn thing petulant you know what petulant it fits into what we're saying here childish selfish children that's what we are in a world where the responsible accountable grown-ups they've left the party i don't know what happened to them where are they are, are they like in their uh, safe room hiding out in their basement where are those people so we need to stop stand still look at what we've done and the mess we've created never taking responsibility for the harm that we've caused, never assessing the damage. We just want to have more fun, more play, more excitement, more, 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 always more. Maybe it's time to stop, and maybe it's time to go home and return to ourselves and what we know, or at least we used to know, what was right and what was wrong, even if doing the right thing is hard and no fun. Okay, so <laughs> that's a lot. I, and um, I just want to say, I think many of the things I've talked about in this podcast are systemic problems that have become endemic problems. Um, and I want to say that narcissism and ASPD, antisocial personality disorder, and psychopathy, psychopaths, all that. I think that these are the byproducts of what we're doing, how we're living, and what we prioritize, and how we're how we're moving moving through life is um, going the wrong way, guys. In so many ways, so many ways. And if we don't get ourselves together, um, you know, how's it going to get better? What's going to happen? You know, I I, th I have students. I'm still in the classroom all day. And I have high school students. A lot of them are depressed, sad, scared, frustrated, uh, just resigned to being defeated and, and having their lives 
you know, their choices being taken away before they even get old enough to have choices, uh, really. And it's a horrible time to be in high school, to be that age and to be looking to the future at all of the problems and see how nobody's doing anything to fix them. Little small efforts here and there, like little tiny fires popping up, but no big grand concerted effort where everybody pulls together and rows in the same direction. What the hell? You know, without that kind of action, what do you think's going to happen in the coming years? And maybe it's a hard lesson to get people to slam on the brakes and to rethink some of the bullshit that they're promoting right now. And, you know, I think anything's possible. I'm pretty sure some of these young people think this is the apocalypse and the wars that are happening are Armageddon and the beginning of the end. And these are the end times. And there's plenty of people who believe that right now. But, you know, what if, okay, so maybe it is. I'm not going to say it's not. What if it is? Okay. But what if it's not? What's your plan then? And I tell you what, if I thought this were, was, <laughs> if I thought, subjunctive mood, if I thought this were the end times, I guarantee you I would be spending all of my energy trying to get my spiritual house in order and, and stop worrying about how I'm going to pleasure, uh, have pleasure and fun and, and uh, friskiness out there in the world, you know, and you know, serve myself and be my best self and, you know, whatever. I, w I wouldn't be thinking about that. I would be thinking, wow, I need to really get myself together, get my priorities in line and be ready for the end. And if it's not the end and you know, very well may not be this, you know, could just be going on for centuries more. We don't know. I mean, how things, how long can things last with dead seas and poison air and no food and no water, right? And, and that's the kind of future we're leaving to the children of today because we can't get our head out of our backside and work together to find solutions to these problems. Um, last thing I want to tell you, and um, I just I want to share this. Stanford University did a study uh, a couple of years back, I think, and it's, and they tried to figure out an actual viable plan to save the world, to save the planet, to save the people on it. Eight and a half billion people live on this planet and the planet's dying. It's like an extinction level event. What can be done to stop that and turn it around? Which I also agree it's possible. It's possible. We can do it. And, um, and, and they've, they made a plan. It's actually doable a doable, viable, real plan that would require a complete redistribution of wealth and a complete revamping of every single thing that we now are doing and knowing. And it would cost um, money that we could never come up with, with the way things are currently structured. It would have to just be a complete burn everything to the ground and start over with this complete new system. And yes, it would be, um, everything is, it's not past the tipping point. Was that Malcolm Gladwell, uh, who, who wrote that book, the tipping point. It, it doesn't have to be past that at this point, past the point of no return. It's still salvageable. But I started thinking 
is that going to happen? Do I see people working together every day? It seems like I look around and narcissists, psychopaths, and some weird hybrids of that, antisocials or whatever, they're running things. They're the people in power, not all of the time, but enough of the time to make all the difference. And we're like, yay, they know how to win. Let's support those people. It's crazy. Yeah. So that's, that's my words and my warnings. We live in a world where narcissism and all of that is growing. And, um, you know, maybe they're the new adaptation and they're going to rule everything and the whole world will be like that. And we're all just going to be dead inside with no, uh, ethics or empathy or anything, no love, no, um, virtue, no, um, none of those things it would all just be gone and we'll all just be um like that yeah terrible thoughts so anyway uh that's my two cents worth think about what can we do what can we do to um get the word out to wake people up to get them to start thinking about uh how we're going to survive uh in the coming days which may get a little bumpy folks yeah, folks, it's going to get bumpy. I do believe it's going to. It ha you know, things are definitely going a specific direction, and they're definitely going the wrong direction, about 90% of it, I think. And so we just, I don't know what it's going to take to turn things around, but it's definitely something for you to think about and to talk about and share these ideas with the people that you know and get them to thinking and try to get them to reassess their priorities and their values and to be reflective, self-reflective about the condition of their own souls and relationships and all of that. Okay, that's it. I told you this was going to go long. 45 minutes. Oh my gosh. Season nine. Season nine snaps for uh, narcissistic abuse recovery collaborators uh, 250 episodes, nine seasons starting now, season number nine. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to ride this, this thing until the wheels fall off, till the world, um, uh, ends, till I end, whatever comes first. I'm going to keep it going because it's important. It's important to talk about what's happening. It's important to know, uh, um, to know the truth, to know the truth. So go forward and dispense that truth. Love yourself, love each other, and let's try to be good. <laughs> that's, I, I, I think that's important to want to be good and to care about other people and have empathy. And that's what makes us not narcissists, right? Um, so, yeah, to genuinely have empathy for the suffering of others and to want to ameliorate that pain. Yeah, that's... Um, a wonderful thing. So let's go do that. Okay. Talk to you soon. Much love. Bye.